welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Light Seekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Light Seekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 39 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. This week, we have another Delivery Crab tournament winner on the show. But before we get into that, I want to take a moment to talk about the upcoming Delivery Crab tournament schedule. For anyone that might be interested in the upcoming tournaments, head over to deliverycrab.com slash tournaments, and you'll find the schedule there. The schedule isn't fully complete yet, but we're filling it in little by little over the coming weeks. The first tournament, as I mentioned before, is once again in Wisconsin, same place we had it a few months ago. This tournament will take place on September 8th. I'll be posting information about pre-registration very soon, so keep an eye out for that. For the rest of the tournaments, head over to the website, check out the schedule, and hopefully there's one nearby you. There will be a lot more announcements regarding prizes and other things associated with the tournaments coming up very soon, so keep an eye out for those on Facebook, Twitter, the website. It'll all be there. There's a lot of things I'm really excited about, and I hope you will be too. Moving on with this episode, the show notes can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 039. That's deliverycrab.com slash 039. Winged Weasel was the winner of our tournament out in New Jersey. This was our second Delivery Crab tournament that we hosted back in July. So once again, this was also before Gen Con. It was before Kindred. It's before all that stuff. So when you hear us talking about uh, the upcoming release or the digital game, none of that had been released at the, at the point of this recording. But with that in mind, I hope you'll join me in welcoming Vince to the show. Welcome to the show, Vince. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well as well. Finally just got to meet you. I You've been a customer of Delivery Crab for quite some time now, but I finally got to meet you in person now at our second Delivery Crab tournament out in New Jersey. Yeah, it was nice to finally put a name and a face to the crab, so to speak, <laughs> and shake hands with everybody. Uh, and there were actually, although when I walked in, there were a couple faces I recognized. There were a bunch of new faces as well. Yeah, are you? Who else did you know from the tournament? So the people that I knew going in were the Family Fun Hobbies crew. So okay. that's a shop okay. out in New Jersey. Yeah, it's I guess my local shop. I'm closer <laughs> in. I'm out in Pennsylvania, so it's the closest one, but sure. it's not actually close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I understand that, and but that's something that always gets me is like when you're out towards the east coast those states get so small that you can just kind of you you can go through multiple states in one day yes you know for me even in wisconsin we're not the biggest of states but it'll still take you four hours to cross the state in any direction well if you ask anyone who's been through pennsylvania and i assume you flew over it so it'll probably be a little <laughs> bit different but anyone who's traveled through pennsylvania will tell you that it feels like an eternity even if it doesn't take as long as some of those other states it's true i i i do understand that and yeah going east to west i suppose that could be a longer trip too right i i have made that trip but not recently so okay i, I think I'll, I'll i'll stick to flying yes if given the option i would prefer it even with all the extra stuff with flying. <laughs> All right. So let's get into your background a little bit. I, I want to find out where you got your start with gaming. If it was as a kid, as an adult, somewhere in between. 
it definitely was as a kid. It was funny. I don't know what dawned on me today to look it up, but I realize I've been playing card games for 24 years now. Wow. Uh, yeah. It. I started when I was in grade school with Magic, with like probably 90% of the gaming population at this point. Sure. And then after played that for a number of years through college and picked up and dropped other games along the way, usually because they, you know, went belly up for a lot for most of them. <laughs> so I've played everything from Magic, Old Verse, New Verse, Magi Nation, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, of course, the WoW TCG. I'm looking forward to the Transformers TCG. There was an old gridiron fantasy football card game, the Alien vs. Predator card game. I mean, if you ask my wife, I could go on for, you know, keep listing card games and other games and our basement unfortunately looks like a graveyard of the 90s to that extent sure sure so has it always been card games for you or did you play other stuff as well to be honest with you i was pretty much a video game person for a very long time Mm -hmm. it was i always wanted to do more tabletop stuff but i never really could get into it so i had slightly ventured into miniature games so magi nation war machine uh, I briefly looked at Hero Clicks, but never actually purchased anything. It's something that always has been just on the other side of the fence that I've been interested in. I'm fascinated by, but I really prefer card games just honestly due to the cleanliness of it. I don't like the idea of having to bring out you know, a library of books in addition to the stuff that I have on the table, but that's it's, just me. It's understandable, yeah. I, I, I've recently gotten into some more you know, D&D type stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there, there, there is a lot more setup if you want to play in person and such. And, and I, I think that's why a lot of us get our start in video games is not only is it a quicker, you know, setup takedown type of thing, but they're a lot easier to play by yourself. If yes. you're the only one around, even if you, even if you are playing with other people remotely, like there's so many one player games that you can just sit down, start up a game and go. Whereas any kind of tabletop game, I think you need at least one other person. Exactly. I mean, there are some board games now, speaking of D&D, some of the ones under the D&D brand that do provide a solo experience. Sure. But naturally, it's not really what you're buying mm-hmm. it for. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. in most cases, I would assume. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. Like, They'll make you know variants so you can play when you're, it's just you, but that's not how the game was designed. Exactly. So you've played a lot of card games. Yes. And <laughs> too many. <laughs> I, like I, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether that, that that's a good or bad sign that you you got into Light Seekers. Whether it's just <laughs> you, you play anything that ever gets created, it's like oh, there's a new game, I'm I'm playing it. Or if it's you've played so many games and something about Light Seekers stood out and said, hey, I I actually want to play this one. So well, to be honest with you, it's. I'll try any, just about any card game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but the ones that I stay with, I, so just to your point, is it good or bad? I would say it's good because I really do like this game and I would like to stick with it. So <laughs> that's good to hear, I guess. Yeah. So, so then that begs the question though, where did you find out about Light Seekers? It was, well, rest in peace, Toys R Us. I was literally walking through one one day. I haven't mentioned it on here with you before, but I am an avid Transformers collector, so that was actually the reason I was there. Okay. Uh, and I happened to walk past, and I'm like, oh, what's this? And I picked up some of the toys, I picked up the packs, and I said, oh, a card game. I'll, I'm immediately interested. <laughs> uh, 
but I also thought the toys were really cool because they do offer a lot. And Mm -hmm. I basically just picked up all the starters. So then that was probably late spring 2017. So last year. Okay. Going into Gen Con, because my wife and I try and make that, that's our annual vacation is going to Gen Con. So we were going out there for a number of events, and I said to her, hey, we really like this game. We tried it ourselves a little bit. I want to make it a point to talk to the people at the booth, because I know that they're going to have a presence there. And I went there on one of the days, and I'm pretty sure I talked to Benny for way, way longer than he wanted to talk to any other human <laughs> being on the face of the earth. I, he was very gracious, oh, but yeah. I can't imagine that any human could listen to my voice for that long and not want to get rid of me. So he was, he was very good about being patient and listening to me, answering my 10 million questions about the game. So that kind of solidified it. But really, when we hit PAX Unplugged was when both my wife and I really got into it. We actually got to sit down with other people and play because at Gen Con, I only had the opportunity due to the rest of our schedule to talk to everybody. It was kind of while I'm passing through, I'll talk to this guy for hours when I could have just sat down and played the game then. So in retrospect, it was silly, but <laughs> I was not at Gen Con last year, but did, did they actually have any tournaments there or was it all because I think that was, like the, that was their first big event and I think most of the stuff was just teaching people how to play. Exactly. And that they did have a significant booth, which I wasn't sure going in. I didn't look at the map ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I just knew they were going to be there. And it was on my list of, okay, I want to talk to Play Fusion. I want to talk to this vendor. I want to talk to that vendor, etc. And when I went there, I was like, oh, well, this is right near the card game hall, the tournament hall. So I just walk out, walk up to them and talk to them. And yes, it was primarily demos. They were obviously selling product on site and they had the usual suspects that were there that are now pretty much fixtures at all the major events. Okay. You got into Lightseekers pretty early, it sounds like. Right. Uh, About the same time I got into it, I think, uh, shortly after the Kickstarter. But did you have any kind of local scene after you had found out about it? Unfortunately, no. So our local shop is actually very close to us. It's only a couple miles. And if it's not magic, it's dead there, pretty much. We had gone there for other games prior to Lightseekers. There were small groups, and you'd see on... Our day was Wednesdays, I think, for the game that we were playing. And we'd go there, and there would be other groups for other games, but it would top out at, if you're lucky, four people in most (laughs) cases. So... It wasn't just us. There was just no scene. So there still doesn't happen to be a scene at that store. Hence why earlier on when we were talking about family fun, that's really my local store, even though it's over 45 minutes away. Sure. What kept you in the game this long? Well, both my wife and I love the artwork. And then it's also to circle back to where we were talking about. I've played a gazillion different games. Mm -hmm. This one is very unique. So the rule set, the interactions as someone who's played a lot of games i've (laughs) probably like everyone else that has played these games has tried to design their own game so i have notebooks and notebooks filling almost as much space as all the cards that i don't have a use for (laughs) Uh, and they're all filled with ideas and this game pulls together a lot of unique ideas and because of the way it came at things it was worth it to us because to me it was so interesting and my wife it just for some reason clicked with her 
So if it doesn't click with her, it probably would have gone off the table. But it did. And we said, you know what? PAX Unplugged, that was the next event after Gen Con. We mm. know they're going to be there. We're going to try and go in on this. And it was a great time. So that's why we're staying with it. Awesome. So you then made it many, many months down the road now. Delivery Crab got started. We got our chairmans going. And our second tournament out in New Jersey was close enough for you. Yep. How did you first find out about the tournament? Well, to be honest, I follow a lot of the stuff on various social media. So it's either on Twitter, I'm a part of the OLL Discord group, and I saw buzzing about it. And then as you had alluded to earlier or mentioned earlier, I've obviously ordered a number of things from directly <laughs> from Delivery Crab. Yep. So when you had announced it, I immediately put it on our calendar. I, I we were eating dinner one night and I said, Hey, I'm lo- I saw this stuff earlier today. We need to try and set aside some time because we'll actually get to play <laughs> and it won't be, we need to fly across the country or something. They're coming close enough. And part of it was I wanted to also support it. So it's not necessarily I'm going in and say, yeah, I'm going to take down this tournament. It was, no, I want to go and play to show that there is a scene. There are people who play this game and people want events. Yeah, I, I, I greatly appreciate that. Even though obviously, obviously it did turn out very well for you, but yes, <laughs> that, that that's beside the point. It's it's the fact that you were willing to take that step, and I you're not the first person I've heard say that. Now it's like as soon as I saw it was coming, I put it on the calendar. I love to hear those words. That tells me that we need more events like this. Exactly, and it's I think it's important to the scene. And if anybody out there listening couldn't make it to the event or was kind of on the fence about the event it's a great time and it's in order to have more of these so what if you change your mind down the road well going to the early one will help make sure that there is one down the road Mm -hmm. kind of thing so you made it out to the the event how much time did you spend kind of planning for the event like play testing figuring out which deck you were going to play what kind of effort went into that I want to say a lot, but it wasn't (laughs) specifically for this event, which sounds a little weird given what we were just saying. So to clarify that, I'm going to Gen Con, as I said before, my wife and I, it's our our vacation every year. It's one of the few times where I take more than one day off consecutively. So on top of it, that was where we started dating. So it kind of holds a special place in our heart. Absolutely. Yeah. So in prepping for nationals, a lot of it has come down to, okay, my wife and I have decided, well, we think we want to play one of these 12 decks <laughs> or however, you know, absurd number because yeah, I'm a yeah. deck builder at heart. So I have like deck lists, like a crazy man all over my desk. So I said, we need to get some outside testing. As I said, we don't really have a local scene because it, it's kind of a hike to get to the nearest place that plays. So that was also a driving factor of, I want to go out there, play against a different human being other than my wife to make sure that we're experiencing the right thing. So we have been playing a lot of different decks and testing a lot, but it was for the advanced format. And we kind of said, okay, we want to identify which of these we can rule out. Sicario happened to be one of the ones that we were considering playing, maybe not playing. So we said, all right, let's pilot it and see how it does. Fair enough. So... You did decide on Sicario for this tournament. Where did you start building this deck? Well, this, 
I, although I had said I was a deck builder, this one <laughs> is a carbon copy of the one that top aided the UK Nationals. Okay. So one of the I'm not one to give people a hard time for net decking. Obviously, I did here. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to learn the base of things. So in this particular case, before I make any changes, I wanted to, like I was saying, run it against someone else, see how I felt about it, and then go from there kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. So I, 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 have, I have no problem with that either, just to clarify. like uh, It's one thing to, to, I mean, to use the term, yeah, net deck, but it's a whole nother to be able to pilot that deck just like whoever came up with it in the first place. Right. right. You still got to know what you're doing. You still got to know the cards. You still got to know the matchups. You, you, you figured something out along the way. Yes. Well, it took some doing because it, again, this was trying to, to learn the deck both from our testing and then treating this event as additional testing mm-hmm. to try and, you know, a trial by fire or baptism by fire, so to speak with it. Sure. So why don't you give me a quick rundown of the cards in this deck list, and then we'll talk about it some more. Sure. So the hero, as we mentioned, is Sicario, and I'm sure everybody out there listening is familiar with him, but he's the dread hero that kind of lets you cheat, (laughs) (laughs) so to speak. So he lets you move two buffs from your hand into play, two action buffs from your hand into play, and you take two damage. So as you imagine, breaking the rules of the game are pretty good. So moving on from there, the combos are Obfuscation, Breach the Veil, Ritual of Awakening, Ghostly Grasp, and Shroud of Night. We'll go into it later, like Matt was saying. Sure. So the action cards from there, and these are three ofs. So it's Shadow Puppet, Wall of Bones, Abyss Tentacle, Soul Trader, and Abyss Weaver. The two ofs are Abyss Hoarder, Shade Whirler, Warp Toad, Assassin's Guild, and Warden of Time. And then we got some lonely one-ups, which are Leeching Scimitar, Flynamo, Night Lurker, Devourer, and the always popular Tantosian Blacksmith. Yes, sir. Like you said, you, you didn't have to build this deck from the ground up, but you still had to right. figure out how it worked. Yes. So did you do any kind of research? What Was there videos of this deck being played, or did, did you just have to do it all on your own? Well, I am, or I would call myself a researcher. So yeah, what I ended up doing, I had actually had had a number of Sicario lists prior to this, okay. and then basically scrapped them all and said, I'm playing <laughs> this one. Uh, among them, I had initially tried a purple-blue list because I really liked... Um, Chilling Curse. Well, that and it was... <laughs> yeah, Chilling Curse definitely is exciting. And then there was uh, the Air one... Is some Hurricane Hermit? I think it is. It lets you pop another one of your buffs to draw cards. Yep. So I was, tr- and then for a while I was experimenting with Mantic's Volter and okay. things like that. Yep. It just never really came together. So that one got scrapped. I have moved on to the Dreadless slash Bova version, which I liked a lot, but could not quite get over the hump with. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that varies in that list is is the quantity of Night Lurkers and the quantity of Shade Whirlers. Okay. As well as the Abyss Hoarders, which actually... So one of the first lessons I learned with the deck was you need to draw cards. You don't... Aside from the Hoarder, you're you're often gasping for cards, I found. Or at least maybe I'm still playing it wrong. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think one of the big things with this Cario deck is that 
you have the ability to play cards so much faster than exactly. the average deck that, yeah, you, you have to find a way to replenish your hand, too. Exactly. So the joke running through the event was uh, Assassin's Guild being Pot of Greed in a lot of scenarios, simply because you you want those extra cards, you need extra gas to try and continue mm-hmm. pressuring your opponent, or dig for the answers, which I was fortunate enough to find in a number of matchups. Sure. We'll look at this from both sides, but going into the tournament, were there any matchups that you were kind of afraid of? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) There were some that I was terrified of going in. And so if you, any listeners out there, I know I was reading it out. I was trying to be slow about it, but if you check it out, I did not run a side deck and that was intentional again for prepping for nationals. But one of the things that probably would have made it in there was additional help for dolo matchups or other aggressive matchups. Now, the word on the street is that this deck was built with the intent to beat up on those aggressive matchups. But to be perfectly <laughs> honest, I've been getting knocked around in testing by anything that tries to end the game quickly because it kind of becomes a race yeah. or a roll of the dice. Do I find double Soul Trader into Warp Toad to heal 28 or don't I? Yeah. And if I don't, well, it gets real ugly for me. If I do, hey, Thumbs up, I'm ready to go. But if I can't find it or I can't chain together multiple abyss weavers or you know anything along those lines, I can be on the ropes very quickly. And since, as we talked about, drawing cards can be an option, sometimes taking a turn off to go dig can be very dangerous. You, you have to hold your breath on some turns. There was definitely one distinct round where I was on one health for multiple turns in a row, and my dolo opponent just could not find one more damage. <laughs> oh, that's got to be disheartening. Oh, yeah. I could, you could kind of see it in his face every turn where he's drawing three cards a turn uh-huh. between dolo effect and then natural draw, and I'm just I'm literally holding my breath the whole time, and then I let it out, and he looks at me kind of funny because, wait, what, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> How much did that opinion change throughout the tournament then? Like, did, did you find yourself having an easier time with some matchups than you ex- expected? Or did you find other matchups that were tougher than you thought? Well, to carry on from the, the Dolo scenario, I mm-hmm. did end up playing Dolo multiple times throughout the event. It was my first loss. I ended up playing it in the finals. And then, as I mentioned, there was another one in there. And it was a nail biter every time at least from my perspective. Maybe maybe my dolo opponent thought I was in full control and there was they felt helpless, but I felt as though I was inches from croaking at any given second. Mm-hmm. But obviously I, I was fortunate enough and I will attribute it to a little bit of luck since, as I said, I spent a, a few turns at one health. But aside from that, there were a number of other matchups where the deck kind of clicked and it definitely opened my eyes to the way a lot of the interactions were. And also, I guess the best way to put it is if you win with something, you frequently don't learn as much as you do when you lose for obvious reasons. You're naturally going to get more knowledge from the loss. Mm -hmm. But there were several wins where I can definitely say, oh, wow, this deck feels nuts. As I'm going through the interactions and I'm doing all these things and it's just... (laughs) Okay, th- this feels powerful. Yeah. 
you're sitting there thinking, I I would not want to be on the other side of this. Exactly. That is that is definitely for sure. And I <laughs> I don't want to say I felt bad for my opponents because I guess that sounds kind of insulting, but it it was a I can if I was on the other side of the table, I know I would feel helpless right now. Yeah. So like you said, uh, there, there's a difference between some other Sicario decks we've seen, in particular like the Night Lurkers, which is usually a big deal because the Night Lurkers used to trigger, well, basically the entire Abyss Suite. Right. And so if you don't have that, I'm, I'm not seeing... Oh, okay, you do have Flynamo. There's right. there's another ability. That's but, actually where <laughs> one of the the biggest assets and weaknesses of the deck lives. Sure. So it's because of the existing, and this is probably why it's on the chopping block right after Kindred comes out. <laughs> Flynamo is bonkers, is yeah. quite simplest way I could put it. And now in the Dolo matchups or really any red matchups, so whether it's Granite, it's Dolo, it's you know arbitrary other mountain hero you always have to be aware of crushing blowout yes and you have to protect your flynamo which was something i was consciously trying to do to ensure i had something to recur it in some way shape or form but flynamo like you said since you're missing additional night lurkers you're it's either night lurker your hero power or the items mm-hmm. basically are what you're looking at yeah, there's. I mean, you can do a lot with Sicario, but there's only so many times that it really makes sense to use it. Exactly. In this particular case, because Flynamo does so many different things for you, if you're low, yeah. it kills you. If if you need to recycle your actions, guess what? It does that too. Oh, it opens up this whole other order for you. Yeah. Oh, you know, it slices, it dices, it does all the things Billy Mays talks about. <laughs> and I think that I think that's the biggest thing with Flynamo is like you, you could always just trigger it at the beginning of your turn and not lose that action. Like it exactly, it, it, it actually opens up more possibilities. So you you've never had to worry about that. Like you could like the only thing it stopped you from doing is using another ability. Unless of course you have the Shade Whirler out there. Right. That was like the only downside. Of using it. You had no reason not to use it at the beginning of every turn otherwise. Exactly. And that's to go back to what you were saying about triggering all of the various things throughout the deck, which is the whole focus. Just set off triggers left and right and let them Mm -hmm. do their work. It's free, effectively. Yeah. And because of that, one of the challenges that I found both with this deck and with other ones, not just Sicario builds, is... If you're ability reliant, so I have a number of nature order focused stuff that great hungry behemoth is it does a lot of things for you, but you've now cut your number of actions in half every turn to power it. Flynamo just doesn't care about that. It still lets you do other things. Sure. So it it kind of goes along with the Sicario hero power where it kind of lets you cheat by breaking rules of the game. Mm-hmm. That's very understandable. I can see why, like I said, a lot, a lot of people like to use it and why it's on the chopping block. So right. obviously this deck as is, because of Fly No Mo in particular, is not going to be playable for too much longer. But would you play this deck again in a tournament setting? It's definitely in our running for for nationals right now. I can tell you that. We only have enough cards since my wife and I share a collection. We only have enough cards to build one copy of it, so I'm not <laughs> sure which one of us will play it if we do. Sure. Given how she has 
mostly been on the other side of our testing. She hasn't been running it, so I don't know if she feels comfortable playing it. Long story short, it may be more likely I would. Yeah. And it's certainly, like I said, in the running. I'm not sure at this point because uh, Jaeger Noon, new to, keeps putting out videos. of. I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. I should try that. <laughs> so I, I'm one of those people I always got to try. that. It sounds like an awesome idea. I'll sleeve it up. And then Matt gets a whole bunch of my money. <laughs> I, I I know how that goes, yeah. <laughs> You're not the only person, so. Right. If someone wanted to run this deck or something similar, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to them? I definitely play it a few times ahead of time. The reason I say that is there's going to be a number of interactions that, or a number of times that you're going to play A and you should have played B in a certain sequence over a number of a few turns. So that sounds super vague, but <laughs> it's something that you will have to get used to. Yeah. The other two things I would call attention to, Flynamo again, just because it is so important and it needs to be protected. So you need to make sure that if you run it out against any sort of mountain order, since they're the ones that can remove items, you need to be aware that you don't suddenly get it blown up and then you're locked out of a bunch of cards. Mm-hmm. Especially because, and this is the third point, you really, really, really want to play two soul traders and warp toad them because you, that is, it's backbreaking for a number <laughs> of decks. It, healing 14 is a huge amount. And then if you can do it again on the following turn. Yeah, without hurting it, yourself. Exactly. I mean, while it's nice to be able to Sicario it out with a wall of bones and live the dream to that extent, even if you're air quotes only healing 12. <laughs> That's a big heal. Like, yeah, I, I mean, because like you said, it, it, it kind of breaks the rules. There's a reason why most individual cards will only heal you for about six. Exactly. So when you the, can do 12 in one turn, that's, yeah, huge with, without playing a combo. Right. And that's the thing is that you can set your opponent up for those sort of scenarios. And that circles back to the original point to play it a few times where you can... Walk your opponent into a, a bear trap almost where it's, oh, I've almost got him. I just need I'm not going to draw this turn. I'm going to play a bunch of things, go down to one card in hand or whatever to try and get them ready for the finishing blow next turn. And then you heal 14 and bounce it with Warp Toad and then they kind of die inside because <laughs> it, it's painful. You can see the the uh, sadness start to set in on their face. Yeah. We'd spend a lot of time talking about the action cards and all their interactions because that's a lot of fun of this, the, the, the fun part of this deck, I guess. Yes. But what can you say about the combos that are in this deck? How, how do they play their part? Well, they definitely played a significant part throughout the event. So the Dolo matchups that I won, as I mentioned, the one where I sat at one multiple turns, I will. 100% chalk that up that I just happened to be very fortunate. It just worked out over the million turns that the game took that he just didn't have the gas at the right time. Now, the other ones were key in other Dolo matchups. For example, Shroud of Night and Ritual of Awakening, both, <laughs> they're weight and gold, I guess. I guess <laughs> the cards don't weigh very much, so that doesn't sound like a lot. But they they definitely pulled their weight because, well... You can't really win if you're dead and these keep you from dying. Yeah. Plus, the extra action gained from Ritual of Awakening, it it doesn't sound, I guess, in the abstract, going from two actions to three actions, that it's a lot. But anybody who plays the game, that's 
it's a whole new world. It's it's huge. I mean, it's an extra fifty percent of actions. Exactly, and it this deck, be, especially if you can shade whirler alongside a number of activatable abilities. Sure, you can get a lot of mileage out of even just a single extra action. And I mean, the, one of the best parts of Ritual Awakening is like it, it it basically gives you like those four free turns to kind of do what you want, right? Right. At least that's what it feels like. And so if you're doing that with you have three actions every time, even if you spend one of just just one of those turns drawing cards and getting three cards instead of just the two or something like that, like that that can get you back on track. And that is exactly what came up in a few scenarios where as to go back to an earlier point, sometimes you can feel like you're gasping for cards, even especially in the scenario, what if you had a hard cast ritual of awakening, meaning you didn't use another combo to play it. You actually had to pitch four cards. Mm-hmm. You could spend two cards, draw six more, and they can't touch you. So yeah. <laughs> for the most part, I mean, barring, I guess, Mari Bards or something <laughs> along those lines. Yes, the, the, there's always a way to do things. But yeah, yes. in most decks, it's probably not there. So one other detail for the uh, the combos that kind of relates to the actions that is may not be an obvious play is warp toting your own combos. Sure. So it's not something that you'll obviously be able to do very often, but warp toting your own combo, say ritual of awakening can also be back backbreaking. If you have the ability to play it again, obviously that's going to be a rare circumstance, but it's something that may not, it it may not be obvious for it to come up is where I'm going with it. Yeah. It's not something you think about because usually stuff like that is, is limited by the card text, but whereas warp toad, you know, it lets you pull back any buffs or return any buffs. It's, it's not strictly action buffs. So, that is an option, and in a deck like this, it could be very useful. Yep. I, I, I think we have a pretty good grasp of what's going on with this deck and, and, and how it played out for you. Is there any last comments you might have for someone else looking at this? For this particular deck, I think that pretty much covers it. It's Although, uh, as I said, I was playing it specifically with the intent to make sure that I was learning more about it as I'm playing, and I definitely did learn a lot more as the event went on, and since then, it is exactly what it seems to be, though. <laughs> you want to play the abilities, you want to get to that end game. It's just a matter of what are the scenarios that let you achieve that end game. So compared to some other decks, the way I would look at it is I know I want to have three tentacles in play along with all the weavers and all that stuff and then kind of work backwards how do i get there sure and for anybody who might still be on the fence about light seekers what do you have to say to them oh man if if you have not tried this game either show up to an event whether it's a delivery crab event it's an official play fusion event it's your local shop try it it sounds on the surface because it oh you can only do two things a turn oh you don't even draw on your at the start of your turn what is that no there is an astonishing and staggering amount of depth to the game and that's i knew going in again i played a lot of games i was still surprised by oh wow that is a really cool interaction oh i could do that that's really awesome and there are a lot of both exciting cool plays that you can do as well as a lot of exciting 
deck ideas. And that's one of the things that has me excited going forward is the groundwork laid in the first two sets and what they've started to show from the third one. There's some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. I can feel it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Vince. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank, thank you for, for sharing me. your experiences with us. Um, congratulations again on your victory at thank the you. Delivered Crab Tournament. And I'm sure there will be plenty more to come. And I can't wait to see you again at, well, either another tournament or perhaps another convention. Yep. I will definitely be attending as many as I humanly can. Sounds good. And there you have it. That is Vince, a.k.a. Winged Weasel, and how he took Sicario and made him victorious once again. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for all the latest news and updates about the Light Seekers in general, as well as the Deliver Cab tournaments. You can find links to our social media, as well as many other useful links, on the website at DeliveryCrab.com slash resources. Or you can just go to DeliveryCrab.com and click on resources from the main menu think that's all we have for this week i hope to see you all at one of our upcoming tournaments very soon so until next week it's time to make some more deliveries